All right, welcome to Watch List Wednesday again. The all bullshit, all for fun segment of the podcast where I kind of talk about what's going on in the market. We have a little bit of fun and we just kind of chit chat. And this week I have my muchacho with me, Claymont Young. Say hello. Hello there. I'm the token Asian guy. <laughs> he, he is our token Asian guy. That's I don't know right. if I'm going to get in trouble for that, but <laughs> it's okay because okay. um, I didn't say he said it. I said it. So we're just going to have some fun. We're going to chit chat about things going on in crypto. Um, there's a number of things we want to kind of just talk about and highlight today that's been going on that I think you may or may not have heard of. Um, one thing we're going to talk about is the IMF and their opinion on crypto as of lately um, and maybe how that can affect the market, maybe how that can you know change things up going into the rest of 2022. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be bad. We're going to talk about it. Um, we want to talk about Kazakhstan. Am I saying that right? Kazakhstan. I think it's Kazakhstan. But Kaz- oh, right. Kazakhstan. Yeah. Kazakhstan. But, you know, it's all good. It's all good. It's not good. They're going to get mad at me. (laughs) No one says my name right ever, so I don't. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Kazakhstan. I'm going to try and be correct. Um, There's a massive internet outage. It's been affecting everyone there. We want to talk about that as well. It's having a bit of a reverberating effect on the crypto markets because it kind of scares people the fact that, you know, the internet's not out there and people can't use it and crypto is actually pretty big in Kazakhstan. So, we're going to talk about that. Um, there's this new NFT platform called Looks Rare that is very similar to OpenSea, Mintspool, and the things you've heard about are familiar with today. And they had a massive opening launch. You're going to be pretty surprised what numbers they did. Um, we're going to talk about Bill Miller a little bit. He is a legendary billionaire investor who is putting a large chunk of his personal net worth into Bitcoin. And we're going to talk about why he's doing that and what he believes and his thoughts on that versus gold, too. Um, We want to talk about the metaverse a little bit. It's a huge trending topic. There's so much going on on that front and what companies are doing and how much money they're spending. And I found a really cool article on where the metaverse could be in 2030. And I think it's a little bit Interesting. Is it a bit um, steampunky? Like it's it's a little wild. It's a little yeah. crazy. Um, given how crazy it is today, ten more years in metaverse. Uh, who knows how wild that might be? Jeez, yeah. Um, and the last thing we'll talk about is this guy who's making eight hundred dollars a month mining Bitcoin with his Tesla. Um, I'm, I'm curious how he's doing that, but I guess it's a good use of free uh, energy from from Tesla and from Elon Musk. So it's not new. I've heard about it before. But some people done it yeah but i i thought that, that mining coins these days is a process so that you eat today is that right that's what he's claiming so it is a huge process and i've done it before at scale very difficult so i don't understand how he can but i guess we'll get to that but I, I'm very curious, so we'll see what he says in that article. I'm getting a Tesla. I'm going to start mining if that's the case. If you figure that out, I'm getting a Tesla too. I'm going to make $800 a month for every Tesla I buy. I might go broke doing that. That might not be smart. <laughs> but <laughs> at least his Tesla's making the money. Um, so let's dive in and talk about this IMF stuff, this wonderful, wonderful organization here <laughs> um, that we all um, cherish and love. So... The IMF has come out and said that crypto can no longer hedge your investments. Um, so why are they saying that? Let's see. Um, the IMF said the correlation of crypto assets with traditional holdings like stocks has increased significantly, which limits their perceived risk 
diversification benefits and raises the risk of contagion across financial markets. Um, that's actually something I'm, I've heard a number of times, even from different central banks. And a lot of it, I think, is fear mongering because they're mm -hmm. scared of how crypto could potentially bring down the traditional financial system with how much money is pouring in the space. I know you see it every day, too. And you're just like, yeah. what the fuck? Um, it's all about the language that they use as well. It's always kind of hyperbolic and just very complex. And it generally is used to just make you feel like, oh, okay, maybe they've got a point. But in reality, I think they are just fear mongering and they're worried that this mm -hmm. is going to derail a lot of what they control already. So, yeah, I, I got to wonder if it's fear mongering or if they actually have a point. But I mean, is it a good point? Is it a bad point? Like, is crypto taking down the financial system a bad thing? Um, yeah, I know that would have a pretty bad reverberating effect on the economies, but I don't know. Um, yeah, the IMF doesn't have the best reputation when it comes to being credible and trustworthy, I think. In, in no. our circles, at least. So. No, they, they put countries in debt all the time and yeah. make them slaves to <laughs> slaves to uh, credit and debt. And it's, they're not necessarily the best, most beloved organization out there. Um, not a but they do have an important role, and their opinion definitely has some weight. Oh, yeah. um, I don't have a doubt this is going to have some kind of impact on, you know, like the crypto market. It does. And then a lot of this stuff is also coming on the tail that crypto has come down a bit recently um, with instability in the markets and the Federal Reserve in the U.S. pondering whether or not to raise rates to try and keep up with inflation. Um, and Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies have long been a considered hedge against inflation, a hedge against bad economies. Mm -hmm. um, and so now they're using this, you know, um, incidents in time where crypto is kind of going down right now and having a bit of a pullback and they're trying to use it as an excuse to say that, oh, Bitcoin is not a hedge yeah, against traditional yeah. markets. Bitcoin's not a hedge against a faulty um, economic system, uh, monetary policy. And um, they're just kind of piggybacking on the opportunity. You know, news like this will probably be far gone in the next few months oh, if crypto yeah. decides to go back to up. bounce back again because it always does. And we're going to touch on that a little bit with the Bill mm -hmm. uh, article about Bill, because he's talking about, you know, traditional investments as well mm -hmm. and his reason for moving his money into cryptos. Exactly. And I think that'll be a really good contrast, mm -hmm. um, given that he's a, you know, a very famous multi-billion uh, billionaire investor who has a completely different opinion than these guys that sit behind desks at the IMF or at central banks. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's good to have that contrast, and we definitely want to cover that. But before we get there, um, we need to talk about what is going on in Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. The land of uh, Borat. <laughs> the land of Borat. <laughs> that guy is so funny. I Actually, I've only seen part of that movie. Borat. Well, the guy who plays him is Sasha Baron Cohen, and he's a, a British guy who does all these characters and Ali G's another character that he does which is hilarious mm -hmm. and I was watching a video of Ali G the other day and I couldn't stop laughing but yeah Borat's from Kazakhstan and apparently his country has gone through a five day internet outage okay five days is a long time yeah uh, five day outage look at this guy just sitting there in the snow like he definitely has an opinion to share <laughs> uh, it must be cold there i Everyone has an opinion now that they're not on their computer anymore. So I'm, you guys have probably heard about this. And I'm sure you're as curious as I am. But 
Apparently, there's been a lot of protests and demonstrations um, kind of triggered by changes in fuel prices, un some unrest in the country. Um, there's been a lot of people that have been getting detained lately. You know, it hasn't been necessarily paradise in Kazakhstan. Um, when the government turns the internet off, you know that there's something <laughs> that they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> exactly. Um, I thought I read it in this article. I'm trying to figure out where, but maybe... This happens everywhere, though. It doesn't matter which country it is. As long as there's some government bullshit happening, um, the internet generally just disappears for a few days until it calms down, which is so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they shut down the internet, you know, over unrest and stuff that's going on in the country. The problem is Kazakhstan's actually a huge hub for crypto, surprisingly. A lot really? of people uh, that own Bitcoin, own crypto, or have startups in this space, some of them, actually a lot of them do operate out of Kazakhstan. But I think that, you know, when you do something like that, you put an operation in a country that's, generally speaking, not stable, you are putting yourself at risk of having these exact experiences where, okay, yeah, the internet goes down for five days. It's not something that would probably happen in the United States, but it's definitely something that could happen in a country like that. Yeah, in a smaller country, I guess that's possible. In a country with a lot of instability, um, you know, actually bringing down the internet is a really hard thing mm. to do, given how integrated the systems are. Um, yeah, you know, certain things on the internet can go down, certain websites, certain companies, servers, things like that. But shutting off the internet is a very big endeavor, um, um, you know, a global endeavor mm. with how interconnected everything is and the lines that run under the oceans and across the country that are, are five, you have fiber optic cable running through all the ground, um, running through buildings. It'd be so difficult to really shut it off entirely. Um, so, I, you know, there are some people freaking out like, oh, my God, if they can shut off the Internet in Kazakhstan, um, you know, could they shut off the Internet in the U.S.? Could they do it in Europe? Could they do it in Asia and then wipe out crypto? You know, the, the short answer to that is no. It, it's incredibly difficult to do something like that, and it's not going to happen. And the effect of shutting down the Internet would create so sure. many other problems. Crypto would be the least of your problems. <laughs> so that's not going to happen. Amazon Prime would be the number one problem you have. <laughs> it's just like not able to get your watching up liquid refilled on time. Yeah, plus, the government wouldn't even be able to, you know, interact with each other. Why, why would they shut it down? You'd cut off all communication. Everyone would be living in, in uh, caves yeah, and so. starting I mean, fires. If, and it, if it works that way, if you just have to, <laughs> if there's basically one switch, which is like communications or no communications, <laughs> then yeah. It, it would make no sense to me why they would do that. I really think it's a, a silly fear. Yeah. Um, anyways, moving on from Kazakhstan, which is just a complete shit show right now. Um, there's something that looks rare, um, and we're going to talk about what looks so rare right now. And what's going on looks pretty rare to me. Um, this is an interesting one. So this article is about a competitor to OpenSea Marketplace, which opened and on the first day made over $100 million in NFT sales, which, yeah, I mean, is incredible. But which also makes me think they had an amazing marketing campaign leading up to it. Yeah, so either one of two things is going on here. Either um, this new NFT platform looks rare, that's a competitor, huge competitor to OpenSea, either came out day one, had a fantastic launch plan, fantastic marketing campaign, and you know they just killed it, $100 million in sales and NFTs, or they had 
this issue where some are claiming wash trading or saying that, mm. um, you know, there's a lot of fake volume on the exchange because there's NFTs being sold back and forth. Uh, um, yes. Not quite sure what the issue is because I haven't personally checked out Looks Rare. Would that be easy to orchestrate that kind of play where you're messing around with what it what's actually happening so it looks better? It, it depends if there's fees or not. The problem is if I create an eth Ethereum NFT, a traditional Ethereum NFT, and I sold it to you for $10, um, there will be a fees associated yeah, with mining that. Mining fees and things like that. Yeah, gas fees. And then you could so sell it back to me, but there'd be fees. And then eventually we just run out of money. Okay. Um, it wouldn't be economical. But you can create NFTs these days, which are gasless and don't cost anything. And I guess we could sell it back and forth indefinitely and run up the, the volume. Mm. I guess that's possible. I'm not sure if that's what happened, though. Right. Um, according to Dune Analytics, it's kind of cool. Good name. In the past 24 hours, the fledgling non-fungible token marketplace has hosted 105 million to token stakers in the coming hours, according to synonymous co-founder Zod. Zod, yes. Zod, before I die for a few hours. Um, we will, one, we will be deploying a fix for wallet connect shortly when you can use Coinbase wallet, Trust wallet, two, Trezor, oh, well, I don't know what that is. Um, Crazy stuff, though. I mean, like, for, <clears throat> for them to be able to pull off a day like that in a market like this just goes to show how early we are in the game, in my opinion. Like, you know, if there was a competitor, let's say, I don't know, Google? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, right? You know, it's I think what happened with Looks Rare you know, the day one launches can do really well. Like there's a lot of ETFs that came out for Bitcoin in this past fall that just killed it and broke records. Um, the Bitcoin ETF that came out in the U.S. broke the GLD gold ETF um, and made over a billion dollars in purchases in like three days or yeah. something, two days, um, which was historical. And gold, the gold ETF did it in like three. Um, but after that, it kind of sizzled out and... You know, wasn't popular afterwards. So sometimes these day one water apps simply um, is the dominant force in NFTs still and the main place to go to buy and sell and trade them. Um, they're often commanding an excess of 90% of the sector's total trading volume. That's insane. Um, 169 million to be specific in volume on Monday, which is was narrowly keeping pace with Looks Rare at 105 million dollars in sales. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Maybe Luxor will pan out to be, you know, this new superpower platform where everyone goes to trade NFTs, or maybe it'll fizzle out. But what's the like the, you know, advantage of Looks Rare? I mean, they've got to have a competitive angle. Should we go? Should we click? Let's on have that? A, Let's check it. Let's out. check it out. Find out what's going on. Um, in order to do that, I have to <laughs> change yeah, I what I am sharing with you guys. Um, one day after launch. There we go. Looks rare underneath. Looks rare. Looks rare. Marketplace. There we go. Trade NFTs, get rewards. I can't believe stuff like this sells. <laughs> it's crazy that stuff like this actually sells. <laughs> that's the that's the featured NFT for the day. It's I mean, it looks like a, a very Picasso-ish, uh, you know, top collections. Mebits, or Mebits, what's popular now? Crypto. Crypto Funks. Funks V2, version 2. Um, Board Bunny. It's just Board Bunny Yacht Club. If we were to make a collection called 
uh, depressed giraffe, I think <laughs> we would already be 50% of the way there. Earn up to 850 plus percent APR. Jesus. With a looks token? Hmm. Wow. Uh, anyways, I don't know. I'm going to have to dive into this. Um, but it looks like a very simple platform. It looks very streamlined. You can connect MetaMask and your Coinbase, very similar to OpenSea. Yeah. I just don't know if they have all the same tools. Maybe they don't want to go that direction. <clears throat> well, you know, when it comes to new platforms, though, like, you got to be careful because there's always these initial glitches and bugs that they need to fix. And you saw on the Twitter that... Uh, the I think the owner or the lead dev was posting that they're mm -hmm. going to fix some wallet-based issues and things. I think just uh, uh, I would be careful. In, in yeah, well, who, who knows? Um, it does look kind of cool. I'm going to do some more due diligence on it and check it out. And by the way, I might as well do a little call to action. We have a webinar for our company in Columbia, Block Columbia, which Clement and I are both a part of and helping push and grow, where we probably will talk about looks rare a little bit um, in our NFT webinar. It's coming up in two weeks, so you guys should go check that out. I'll be sure to include some links to that as well if you guys are interested. Um, nice. Let's talk about Bill Miller. This 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 Not guy. Not Bill Mayer. Not Bill Mayer. Okay. We could talk about Bill Mayer at some point. Um, okay, so there's this. Billionaire investor, you guys may or may not know who he is. I'm sure most of you do if you're in the investing world. He's put 50% of his person, personal uh, net worth and wealth into Bitcoin. He says. He says, um, you know, he could be completely full of shit. Could be a, a wannabe whale. He, he looks like a whale. <laughs> not, <laughs> you are so, so mean. Sorry, Mr. Bill. Um, but um, who knows? Um, why, why would he lie? Yeah. Why would he lie about it? Um, I'm sure if he actually has 50% of his personal assets in it, he could probably sure. prove it. Yeah, yeah. Um, he made a really interesting point about it that I saw, too. Um, but a little bit about Bill, in case you don't really know much about him. He gained fame for beating the S&P 500 index, a record-breaking 15 years in a row from 91 to 2005 as a fund manager for Leg Mason. Um, and has previously invested heavily in Bitcoin and funds that he managed. Um, but this revelation, I guess, is apparently very new. And he said he started buying it when Bitcoin was around $200 in 2014. Mm -hmm. um, nice. And he was introducing it to Silicon Valley circles. So this guy's been interested in Bitcoin for a long time. He's a hodler. It doesn't say in this article, but I'm, I was listening to a journalist, I think I told you this, there's a journalist that was asking about why he decided to put 50% of his net worth mm. into, into Bitcoin. Right. And, and why not gold? Because he was saying that he thought Bitcoin is better than gold. And he said, well, in my opinion, you know, gold over 5,000 years has gone from $0 to $1,850, $1,850. Granted, about. it's a lot more stable. It is a little bit more stable, but it's not that great of a return on investment long term. His comparison with Bitcoin was over the course of only 10 years, it has gone from zero to over $60,000 plus. Yeah. So why not put money in Bitcoin? Because in 10 years, it might go from 60 to 120 or to 200,000 or, yeah. or much higher. It's an incredible store of value. Like, let's be honest, the, the, the logistical benefits of investing in something like a digital currency over gold is something that you and I have 
talked about a lot. So mm -hmm. I think that plays a big role. But I also think, just to be the devil's advocate, the fact that Bitcoin is new and it's interesting and mm -hmm. it's exciting is also another proponent of how big it's grown in such a short space of time. Like, think about what would happen if we suddenly stumbled across this new element and that element could do a lot of things for us. You know, like imagine if gold was something we just stumbled across tomorrow. I mean, the price of gold would be like super rocket high right now. Yeah, it's, it's a possibility. Um, I just think people have, you know, we live in a digital age and we're about to talk about the metaverse in a second. But we live in a world where gold doesn't really fit, mm. unfortunately. And there's a lot of people like us or, you know, kids these days, millennials, centennials, you know, whatever the next, you know, generational term is um, after us they're interested and have grown up in a world where they know nothing but an iPhone where they don't know a world without the internet they don't know a world without crypto some of them mm -hmm. um, and you know there are 10 year olds right now that don't know a world without Bitcoin yeah. and that's crazy to think about you know what are they those people those kids gonna do when they get older what are they gonna promote are they gonna really promote gold They've grown up with this stuff. They believe this stuff has value. They use it every day. They're the ones playing video games and they're the ones that are going to be in the metaverse or the ones online on social media that are using those platforms to make money digitally. Mm -hmm. So they're going to probably, in my opinion, be more inclined to something like Bitcoin, to something like crypto as being a long-term asset or a good investment rather than being privy to gold, which just doesn't really fit their lifestyle or the world we live in. So yeah, yeah. I don't have anything against gold. Um, I think it's going to continue to appreciate. It's just not going to be the next generation's store of wealth, perhaps. Yeah. In fact, we're trying to save gold, too. We're yeah, trying to we, help our, we're not our, anti -gold. our little yellow friend out. Yeah. Um, he, he needs to um, get backed by crypto. We've actually take, taken a gold mine here in Colombia and have created gold-backed NFTs. You know, try and save gold. Um, give it some some digital value. Make we'll, we'll it liquid. We'll do what we can, bro, to save it. <laughs> no, but I mean, like uh, I agree with you. I think um, I think the metaverse kicking off now really goes to show how important digital uh, mm -hmm. currencies will be, and so I'm super super excited about it. And I think yeah, gold has its place, but I don't think it has its place with the generations of today. Absolutely, um, and that's just you know the way the cookie crumbles, unfortunately. Um, We'll use that as a segue into the metaverse. Uh, definitely want to talk about, you know, kind of where it's going, where we think it might go. I found this cool article on, you know, what the metaverse could look like in 2030. Wanted to run through it re really quick. And it, it already it looks anything like this. <laughs> I'm going to want to kill myself. Um, I, I hope it doesn't look like this. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine waking up and this is what you see? It's going to be wild. Remember watching Ready Player One? Uh, yeah, and I think uh, that's a very accurate um, representation of what we're going to actually experience soon. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's d the direction of where all social media will go. And I think that's why Facebook rebranded to Meta. Mm -hmm. And while they're putting billions of dollars into developing out uh, VR and AR technology, because they know that the future of social media, which is nothing but a medium for us to interact with each other and to be social, to connect, to share our lives... That the future of that is the metaverse. The whole point of going online is to have an experience. So if you take what is essentially two-dimensional 
with the internet, with being social, with social media, and you go three-dimensional with that, which is virtual reality, we are, you know, that's what the future of Facebook will be, the future of Instagram, the future of Twitter. It's insane thinking about it, because, you know, watching the social network, mm -hmm. right, that, that amazing movie, uh, takes you through the entire history of Facebook, and even, you know, it was made years ago, so it's t totally changed since then as well and for it to be now moving into this three-dimensional space I mean I don't even know what it's gonna look like but I guess it could look like anything you want it to look like That's yeah we're, we're gonna have full-spectrum VR headsets smart clothing tactile response haptic gloves there's actually this company um, that Facebook owns and they have creating an actual suit you can wear or um, gloves haptic feedback where you can feel real things and sensations in VR. There's another company that was doing that called Tesla Suit. I had, oh, them, really? on, I had them on this podcast a long time ago. And they stopped? Um, they were creating a suit very similar to that, but it wasn't for VR gaming, but more or less for training the police force or firefighter or, mm. or before going to space or doing a deep dive in the ocean, being able to feel sensations in your body they could even lead they could easily pivot that towards something for vr and ar oh yeah uh, that's that's what i told them a long time ago i'm surprised that they haven't but facebook is definitely a huge opportunity oh yeah they, they could make porn hubber just rubbing their hands together right now you know <laughs> getting ready for this entire move <laughs> yeah I, I think that'll be one of the biggest one use of the biggest cases for metaverse yeah. um will be porn yeah um it's always been the internet i think a third of all the internet activity in the early internet days, like pre-2005, um, like early 2000s, was porn. The yeah. internet was built on the back of porn. Absolutely. Um, so you can't lie that that's what the driving factor for most people is. And Sex I imagine, sells. yeah, that'll be another huge driver for the metaverse and for AR and for, um, you know, just VR headsets and what you can do with them. Yeah. Have you seen that Black Mirror episode where... I mean, look, let's be honest, Black Mirror, really, we could talk about how, how much Black Mirror relates to loads of things we're talking about right now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I can imagine a lot of what that what is in that show will actually come true <laughs> with the metaverse. Yeah, the, uh, credit some... system, blacking out people's faces, <laughs> just having, uh, you know, accessing old memories really easily. I mean, it's going to be crazy. That's one of the best shows on netflix is black mirror yeah because there's some things that are not far off at all yeah. i know they play on your irrational fears but it's not far off like there's some there's one where two guys are playing a video game and they go into the video <laughs> yeah. game and one's a guy one's a girl and then they have relations in the video game but in um, real life they're like nah yeah <laughs> there's, there's another one where they took these these people and they had like this thing on their head and they went into like oh, their yeah. dream mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. That was a creepy one. That was a creepy one, too. There's a lot of really... Dog. The episode called Dog, that came true yeah. already. I mean, Boston Robotics have built that thing. Mm -hmm. You just have to stick a missile launcher on the back, and there you go. You've got it. <laughs> there was a drone one where a drone was chasing around a kid and blackmailing him to do all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. That, that I'm going to go back and watch these again. These there's, are good. There's some really good ones. Um, that's, you know... A little bit of what the future will look like. Um, is that, that Ariana Grande? <laughs> it does look like her. Oh, it is. So, so a lot of these stars and celebrities are going to do shows and um, have like events. 
on the metaverse to on EJs to do metaverse tour. Um, and that's what athletes love seeing VR. Yeah. Like you can watch the Super Bowl in VR. You can watch basketball games in VR. Dude, can you imagine what it's going to be like? Fortnite is fully uh, metaverse, and you can literally like the players are actually Olympians. Mm-hmm. Like they're they've been training yeah. for this. You know, it's not like a joystick or anything that they're using. That's gonna be crazy. It's gonna feel weird. I don't know how they're gonna pull that off. You know how you're gonna be able to run and have those I sensations. Don't know. But, but they'll fix it soon. I've seen these videos where there's uh, there's almost like a, a circular mat mm-hmm. and you've got these barriers and you can yeah. run within it because you're strapped in. But that I think that's gonna evolve quickly. Yeah, they could sell like an entire like system that's you know you know very expensive, like thousands of dollars. But you stand on it. It's yes. kind of like a treadmill, right? Like a 360 treadmill. Exactly. They could have something. I've seen stuff like that. That'd be really interesting. Um, it's the whole issue about space. When you go back to Star Trek and there was the holodeck, it was that issue about space. Like, how do you use the space that you have to mm-hmm. represent, like, a full world? So, yeah, I think there's some kind of treadmill element to it. Yeah, you'll have to have something physical that kind of gives you that sensation. Because yeah. I don't know how you're going to run around and do stuff without a joystick, which will mm-hmm. probably be, you know, the... Um, the default for a while. Yeah. Some well, tactical controller or joystick. I don't know, man. The sensors are going to get so good and the AI is going to get so good that when you shift your body, the whole floor is going to just act like as if it was happening in real life. So right. I think that's what's going to happen. I guess to wrap up this metaverse topic, um, you know, Facebook's, or meta, they're not the only company. Uh, Snapchat, which I'm surprised they even have wow. a company Do at this they point. they have any money left? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Snapchat, Amazon, Microsoft, um, on top of Facebook slash Meta. Microsoft um, could be a big player. Oh, yeah. Pull, Huge player. Pull their stuff together. And- uh, they all have competing versions of this new digital world of the metaverse, and they're spending billions of dollars in order to build this stuff out. And that's not including the, the crypto versions of the metaverse, like crypto voxels and Decentraland, Decentraland yeah. Sandbox. There's so much going on right now. Mm-hmm. If Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber are doing shows in the metaverse and people still don't know what the metaverse is, that's insane to me. It's just, it, you know what it is? I think celebrities and people that make money from uh, entertainment and attention are all over new technology mm-hmm. these days. Like before... It wasn't the case. Like, if you had a TV star or a movie hero, I'm sorry, movie star, it's not necessarily important to them to be keeping up with a a technology shift. But nowadays, they're right there straight away. I I think the, you know what I think the issue is? I think it's the iPhone still. People are addicted to, to your cell phone. And, this, this is not where VR is. You have to have a completely different device. Right. I don't know if people want to carry a different device with them right now or to utilize it. It's extra steps, mm-hmm. extra work. Mm-hmm. And the phone is nearly perfect. It's addicting. It grabs your attention. It gives you notifications. Um, it draws you in. You can't really do that with VR. I guess you could integrate it with the phone so that it could get yeah, you to you go, stuff put the headset it. on. But... It's just a, it's a different step. It's a different device, and I think it's going to take some time to adopt it. So, do you think we're going to see people walking around like you would see in cyberpunk soon, with these kind of headsets on that have cameras, and it helps augment their experience of just walking around normal places? I think that'll be the first step. Is I think so. augmented reality? Yeah. It's much easier because they're just overlaying something digital onto your physical environment. Yeah. So, glasses. You know, Google Glass was like the first attempt at that, really. We're probably going to see that first become a bit more mainstream before we see VR go full mainstream, even though VR is here. Um, if I just, you thought you had much. privacy issues now, imagine how much privacy issues you're going to have when you're recording everything you see on a daily basis. Yeah, I'm going to be able to put on my 
AR glasses, and it's going to have a little bubble that pops up and tells me everything about Claymont. Right. Exactly. That's scary stuff. And mm -hmm. you can't stop someone from doing that. Mm -hmm. You might be able to opt out of platforms, but you can't opt out of but everything. But maybe, maybe it'll be like a, a social thing where you get to decide what it is that, that you're you going to see. Appear. So when you put on these uh, AR glasses or whatever it is, and you see stuff pop up above my head, it's going to tell you only what I want you to, to know. If you see a hot girl and you're like, I wonder who that girl is, then you can literally find out in an instant. Imagine if is. they integrate Tinder. And you can you can match with them. In <laughs> that is crazy. That is insane. They'll tell you if you're on Tinder, then you can push right. push on the Tinder icon oh, above only them. Only fans page. <laughs> and you can you can have a request. <laughs> oh my Imagine God. seeing someone and it pops up, sign up for my OnlyFans page. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Th gonna this is going to get really messy. <laughs> yeah. There's so much people can do. Wow. Okay. okay, let's talk about the last thing. We'll wrap it up. And that's this guy that's um, using his Tesla to mine Bitcoin. And I think he's claiming to be mining up to like $800 a month. Which I don't understand how that's even possible. I, I'm not even sure about that either. But I'm going to hear him out on this. Cause it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> look at this guy. He's all proud and everything. Uh, Siraj Raval. <laughs> tried just about every way there is to mine for cryptocurrencies from his 2018 Tesla Model 3. Ooh, Model 3. That's a really cheap one, actually. Um, I don't know you could do that. I thought you'd have, like, a Tesla S or something, like one of the bigger models because okay. it has more power. Right. Um, anyways, he's run free Bitcoin mining software for on his Apple Mac Mini M1 and powered the computer by plugging an inverter into the 12-volt Power socket located in the center console of his car. He's also hooked up interconnected graphics processing units or GPUs to the front of the Tesla, um, <laughs> running these machines off the car's internal battery, though it risks voiding his car warranty. <laughs> Which I don't think he says it's worth it. <laughs> when the price of Ether peaked in 2021, he claims he was netting as much as $800 oh, okay. a month. Um, Interesting. Is it really worth it? I don't know, man, but... E even if, you know, at the most you've been making $800 a month mining crypto with your Tesla, your Tesla's expensive. Like, yeah, why avoid the that up. I mean, like, isn't there a more efficient way to do that using a dedicated plug it into the Plug it into the wall. Yeah, right. Like, whatever, whatever he's... <laughs> he doesn't need to use his Tesla to power these mining rigs. I think mining that's, rigs. that's the hook of the story right there. It's, oh, my God, he's using a Tesla. He's doing it because he wants free electricity. Yeah, maybe. But you can find really cheap electricity somewhere, and you can, you know, ideally do this. I just don't know if it's worth voiding your Tesla warranty and throwing out all the benefits that come with it and yeah. being public about it. And, you know, I guess if you have a Model 3, it's, you know, a bit cheaper of a model and it's not that big of a deal but if you had a nice tesla like a sixty seventy thousand dollar tesla oh, like a no, model no, s I mean, you want to do that or something like that why would you, you want to mess around with that and people who are buying those teslas are probably not going to be fucking around with that kind of stuff do you uh see more and more and more crypto mining moving over to renewable energies renewable energies i am um, i think so i think there's a lot of change um, there's news with El Salvador creating this Bitcoin city next to a volcano and they want to use volcanic energy to power crypto miners. Um, there's a lot of attempts to use solar panels and solar power, even though it's a little rudimentary still mm. and doesn't generate enough electricity. Yeah. Um, there's attempts to use hydropower. Hydropower. We talked about that. Hydropower is the easiest and the cheapest. 
Um, mini nuclear plants is going to become a huge thing for small cities and small towns where you can have a mini nuclear reactor that's safer wow. and that powers an, it will plenty only wipe of out a quarter of the city. <laughs> yes, it'll only wipe out that part of the of the yes. city. Yes, that's fine. That's fine. I'll live on the other side. But nuclear energy is actually very clean energy. Oh yeah, it's very very clean. The only problem is. Um, you know, making sure you don't have a meltdown. The good thing about it is the technology behind nuclear reactors today is it far safer, um, multiples exponentially higher than when than it Chernobyl was. existed. <laughs> yeah, or Fukushima. Fukushima, yeah. Um, so I, you know, yeah, okay. I, I think so. It's, I don't think it's a huge issue. The use for energy for Bitcoin versus the use of energy for the monetary system, yeah. you know, it's far lower Right. And I think is a far better justification of energy in the first place. Okay, exactly. Um, that's yeah. that's one. The two, a lot of the energy Bitcoin uses is cast off energy that's going to be wasted in, anyways. Mm -hmm. um, like, let's say you go to a hydroelectric dam or plant and you're using two cent per kilowatt hour energy coming out of it to power Bitcoin mining rigs. All that excess energy that's super, super cheap. Um, you're getting it super cheap because it is excess energy. It's, excess. it's going nowhere. It wasn't really going to be used anyway. Yeah, so the, the wasting so of the well. energy isn't necessarily Bitcoin. It's these places that are creating too much and we just toss it out and mm -hmm. we don't utilize mm -hmm. energy. Mm -hmm. um, the complaint is, you know, Bitcoin being set up or, or t Bitcoin mining operations being set up in small towns and small cities and then using their rates for Everyone in the city. I think the idea cover probably not man i mean talking about things i have no idea about i love it I, that's what i'm all about i've always done that my whole life so yeah just for the record he has no idea what he's talking about today he's just happy to be here i'm happy i'm just happy okay perfect well stay tuned next week for the next episode of watch this lindsay and stay tuned for the episodes we have coming out tomorrow see you guys all soon ciao ciao